The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. I'm going to read our intro to the Psalms of Ascent series. We'll pray and we'll get going. In each of us is a deep, inherent longing to be home, a place of peace and security. Home is the place we finally belong, but the road back home is often long and dangerous. The people of God would sing these Psalms of Ascent as they traveled towards Jerusalem to worship God. We now learn these songs as we travel together towards the new Jerusalem. We are still on our way home. We are longing for a better country, a heavenly one. We believe that home is found only with God. God has invited us to come, and these songs are for the journey. Let's pray. God, I I find that when I approach you, when we approach you in prayer, I'm hopeful that because you've given us this means of communicating to you that, that there's hope that we can be transformed. We can be more like Jesus. We can be more sensitive to your word. We can respond to it in obedience. Hardness of heart can be softened by your spirit. Things we have not understood, we will understand and act on because we've asked you and we've come to meet with you. So God, we just pray again for that today. To hear from you and to be made more like you to enjoy you, feel your presence, and respond to it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, The first statement I'm going to make this morning should not come to you as a surprise. You are not a robot. Even though many of us pretend we are with what we expect from our lives and our work. So let me explain. Robots don't get tired. Robots don't experience disappointment when they don't succeed at their task. They also don't experience excitement when they succeed at their task. Robots don't require motivation for what they have been asked to do, okay? I I know this is not groundbreaking for you, but now I want you to think of yourself and how oftentimes in our work we, we hope for those things. Like, think about it this way. Though you probably wish that you didn't get tired, you do, and you get grumpy when you're tired. I saw a little nudge there. Yeah, it's okay. It happens to us all, Pat. It happens to us all. We require motivation. I require a lot of motivation to get out of bed in the morning. And I, I lie to myself to get out of bed in the morning. I know we're not supposed to lie, but literally, and I, I am not, I'm not joking. This sounds funny, but the first thing that comes to mind usually is I have to lie about when I get to take a nap later in the day. 
I know. I, I'm, I'm completely being honest with you. I wake up and I'm like, I think around like three o'clock, I could take a nap. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting up. Even though I never, <laughs> I never get to take a nap. And so we, but we require that motivation, right? We get disappointed if what we've been asked to do we're not able to do or what we, we want to succeed at, we don't succeed at. In the same way, if we succeed at something, we get very excited. Um, and and that's, that's different because we, we are constantly processing what we do, what we're building, how we, how we work and what we're working on, right? That's, that's part of our lives. And this this psalm that we're looking at today, I think, is is helpful because in that we aren't just we're not just doing things like we we've been given minds that we think through things and soul that we we feel our way through things and are responding spiritually to all the inputs, work, and everything else. This is this is the way we've been built by God, and and the psalm that we're looking at today. Uh, remember, we're we're travelers on our way. And we're singing as we go. And so this psalm is a song looking back at home. And, and it looks at two things. One is, is work. And the other is, is children. I have only experience with one. And, and so I'm going to just look at the first two verses of this psalm. Looking at work. And there's a, there's a lot to get into here. Um, but as we're on this journey, looking back at home and the work that we've left behind, how do we process that? And what came to mind as I read this psalm was last year, uh, many of you know that I took the longest vacation of my life. I was gone three weeks, uh, five countries, 18 days, 17 flights. It was a very, very busy trip. But about a week and a half in, while, while we were on all these, you know, flights, I started remembering things, like literally things deep in my memory were, were coming to the surface because I was able just to, I was, I was rested enough. I had enough time to start processing. And a lot of the memories were really sweet. They came from like my time at college or, um, or even memories, early memories from the coffee. Oh, just like I, I started thinking of and our travel, our vacationing, you know, these are all traveler thoughts, but I also kind of think of them as vacationer thoughts. We're able to just kind of process and look at things that we haven't been able to before. And so today we're going to look at work from three perspectives. One is that traveler. The second is the king. This was written by Solomon. We'll get into that. And then the last is the disciples. So read with me uh, Psalm 127 verses one and two. This is how it reads. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. There's three different parts here, but just the first, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. He's not advocating, the, the psalmist here, Solomon, is not advocating not working. 
but he's advocating a new perspective on work. And, and what I mean by this is, think about the, the mantra oftentimes we, we tell ourselves or we think or we feel when we work is, is simply this, it's all up to me. And I don't know if that, that yet makes sense to you, but I want you to think of the responsibilities you have, the responsibilities you have because someone's given you or you've just taken them on yourself. And, and when we, something is really important to us and we see it's success or failure, dependent largely upon what's been given to us, we oftentimes hold right, white knuckle, we hold it and we're like, it's up to me, it's up to me, it's up to me. I have to work harder, I have to work longer if this is gonna happen. And, and what, what the psalmist is looking, as he looks back, he's going, I need to think about my work different. It's not that I don't build the house, it's that if I build the house, I'm building with the Lord. Because if I'm not building with him, then all of this is in vain. Even if, think about it this way, even if I build just the coolest house ever, Right? Even if I, I, I'm done and I look and it's this mansion. And if I did not do that with God, if I just did it for him or, or whatever my motivation was, if I, if I come and I'm like, look at the house I built, God's like, mm. but, but think, of, think of how empty you were during the process. So, so what we learn from this is that everything we are doing is meant to be done with God, not just for him. And that's why the, the big idea of today is that, that the way we work is meant to be with worship, or worship is the way we work. It means that all along, the whole process, thank you God for this day you've given me, thank you for these materials. I think you've put breath in my lungs. Right? Whatever we're doing, worship is the way we work. Worship is not just the, the product at the end of it. Look, because I have this freaking awesome house. Because the reality is you don't know what's going to happen along the way. And if it's all up to you, if, if your mantra of work is, it's up to me, it's up to me, it's up to me, it's going to rob your worship. If, if your mantra along the way is, it's me and God. Right? We're doing this together. I mean, my daily bread and the daily cement I get to fill in the foundation. Whatever it is, everything I'm, I'm seeking from God to do with God, not just for him, but with him, it changes everything. Right? So, so worship is the way we work. It's, it's not just the end of it. And, and think of that's hard to see while you're in the middle of it. While like it needs to get turned in or finished tomorrow by noon. And it's hard to see that. But when we get perspective, as you step back and you're on vacation, you're like, man, I was stressed out. Because I, just, because I kept just thinking, it's up to me, it's up to me, it's up to me. And I'll think of the second thing he looks at here is unless the Lord watches over a city, the guards watch in vain. And in the same way, he's drawing out, we're, we're looking back, right? We're on vacation, we're looking back. He's like, did I put the batteries in the smoke detector? You know, did I pay my security bill? You know, whatever it is. And, and but then that's really what he's saying is go, unless, unless the Lord's watching over it, everything you did, all your preparation, all your stressing is in vain. He goes, trust. Trust is what's going to give you peace when you leave your home and are on vacation. 
right? Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guard stands, watch in vain. The Lord, unless the Lord watches over a house, the smoke detector batteries, who cares, right? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy, but right, it's, what he's saying is do this with God, not just for him. All these things, trust him with it. Because oftentimes in our lives, what we do is, is we, we, it's up to us, it's up to us. It's up, and then we come to God and we're like, and check it out. And he's like, would have been way better if we did this together. And then the last part of it is this, he says, in, in vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for the food to eat. And I think this puts both of the first two things in context. If it's up to us, we're going to rise early and work so hard, and we're going to stay up late, and we're going to be filled with stress. And he says, because this, for he grants sleep to those he loves. And, and another translation, uh, which is very dear to my heart, says he gives to his beloved even in their sleep. And, um, and I remember that because when I was a, a senior in college, my dad would tell this to me often. Um, because I, would, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. And uh, he goes, Daniel, God gives to his beloved even in their sleep. That, that means like even when you're sleeping, God's still, God's still being good to you, you know? And, and so it's often in our lives, we need to know that, right? This is why he's given us a Sabbath and, and told us that, like he, he does all this stuff with his disciples. He's like, let's go away. Let's just rest together because God is the one ultimately who is in charge. And, and if he's given you responsibility, he's the one ultimately that's holding that. And so even while we sleep, God is still furthering his cause. And the things he's called us to, he's way more responsible than you are for those things. So, he goes, so it's vain just to like stress out and go like, okay, I need to go to bed at 1.30 and wake up at three. And then I need to, you know, and, and he goes, because God's going to give to his beloved even in their sleep. How do, we, how do we trust him with that? They're hard things. And oftentimes, this is a sobering thing, oftentimes we learn that too late. And one of the, one of the, the most sobering but helpful things I heard was uh, you know, this, the simple like, you know, when, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to like wish you'd worked more overtime. Right? You're not going to be like, man, I just wish I had put in more time. You know, but that, that sobering perspective is what we get as we, as we look at the king's perspective. And, and the king's perspective is King Solomon, who this is the only psalm of ascent attributed to King Solomon. And, and it makes a lot of sense that, that King Solomon would write this song. Unless the Lord builds a house, the labor builds in vain. Solomon built the, the big king's palace. He built the, the temple. And uh, in, in Ecclesiastes, we get Solomon at the end of his life looking back on it, sharing the wisdom he's, he's gathered from that. And, and so I'm going to just read you from Ecclesiastes 2 and then Ecclesiastes 3. And this is, this is, right, unless the Lord builds a house, the labor builds in vain. And then this is what we get, his perspective on all these projects he's did. He said, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself, planted vineyards, made gardens and parks, planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I mean, and I want you to notice how often he says I in here. I think this is one of the most helpful things is he's 
pretty self-consumed, right? I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves, and I had others who were born in my house. I also owned more herds, flocks, than anyone else in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well, the delight of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all this my wisdom stayed with me. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. And you just, my, 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 right? All this, I did it, took it for myself. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, chasing after when nothing was gained under the sun. He goes, man, I did this all. And we look at Solomon's life and God gave him a tremendous amount of wisdom, but we we see Solomon in his pride. He became a very proud man and just thought he could do it for himself. And then he gets this this kind of wake-up call. And in Ecclesiastes 3, this is him processing this. He says, what do workers gain for their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Notice how he's talking about he now, what God is doing. He's like, because I did all these things, but I realized that, that, listen, he says, he has also set attorney in the hearts of men. He goes, because for all these things I long to do and be a part of and succeed at, these weren't just, these weren't just like momentary investments. I wanted them to be more, but I can't make anything more than that. On my own, I can't make, no matter how cool a house is, I can't make it eternal. I can't make that act lasting and it it won't let me participate in what God has eternally created me for. But he's put that in my heart to be a part of that, right? Our motivation is much more than just waking up in the morning, right? And and this is really sobering because as we look to the rest of our lives, knowing that there is a timeline on all of our lives and we look to the end of them, we're not just looking for like a momentary investment, right? Right? Because eternity has been put in our hearts and it says, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift from God. I know that everything God has done, not everything I have done, but everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken away from it. What God does what God has done. God does it so that people will fear him. And what we learned, the big lesson from this is that only that which is done with God remains. Not even those things that we do for him, right? How many things are we like, this is for you. Why aren't you happy? You know? And and God's like, no, I wanted you to do it with me. Not just for me. But this, this really is hard for us, right? This is so profoundly hard for us because part of ourselves, a big part of ourselves, wants it to be up to me. Wants it just, you know, I'm your person, God. You know, just trust me with it. And yet God is every part of ourselves that does not receive the world and our work by way of worship will rebel against the idea that only what is from God remains forever. Everything that that we are wanting to do on our own, we rebel against the idea that we have to do it with God. That's why it's so hard for us. 
because we want to be proud of it just on our own. So I want to show you just how this can play out in a a beautiful way um, by looking at uh, Jesus's calling of the disciples. Now, the disciples were, were men who were used to doing it themselves, right? And they were, a lot of them were fishermen. And for those who were fishermen, I mean, literally, if you don't make the catch, you don't eat. Your family doesn't eat. The community is not eating. And so, so you'd be out all night fishing and then you come back and if you have nothing to show for it, you know what's playing in your mind? It's up to me, it's up to me, it's up to me, right? And then you come back and you're like, I have nothing to show for it. And so this is how we meet uh, these, these disciples as Jesus is gonna call them here in Luke. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats. They were left by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. There's so much that is presumptuous about this. And he sat down and he taught the, taught the people from the boat. And when he was first speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let the nets down. Now, I just, I want to emphasize how insulting this is. Okay, so Jesus is talking to fishermen who are masters at their trade. This is what they do. All night they've been fishing. Then he just gets in his, this is rando, gets in the boat, and he's like, I'm going to teach from your boat. You know, and they're like, okay, go for it. We're just cleaning our nets. And so he's teaching for the boat, and then he knows, he can see they haven't got any fish. Jesus isn't a fisherman, and so he's talking to experts at their trade, and he goes, hey, why don't you throw out your nets? They're cleaning their nets. This, like, literally, I, I'm embarrassed for Jesus. If, if I was there, I would have been like, oh, I, don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a good time. <laughs> right? And so, and so it's just so interesting. And so they, they go out. This is when they, they, sent through, they, uh, so they put off their nets. He said, when they done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners, the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And, and here's the thing. Why did he respond in that way? Why don't you think he was like, hey, we're going to have a boom in business together. Like you and me, we got, you just tell me when to throw out my net. You know, it's so interesting. But what happens is that I think why we so often is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Here's my worship is because we're separating the natural and the supernatural when, when there isn't that divide. And so when, when Simon Peter humbles himself to go and do what this weirdo teacher is like, go throw out your nets and he's, and, but he humbles himself, right? And so he listens to him and he, he goes out and he throws out his nets and, and immediately he's not thinking in the natural. He realizes that he is meant to do this with God, not just for him. And, and so he comes back to Jesus and literally seeing this, 
Seeing this life, unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord is a part of your work, your catch, your life, whatever it is, you're doing it in vain. And in that moment, you know what Simon Peter, he didn't experience like himself anymore. Literally, I, I think what he, he felt was this, what he'd always wanted, right? That, that Jesus was there and he was meant to do it with Jesus, but he felt so inadequate. And I think honestly, that's, that's why we keep going back to the mantra of I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. Leave it to me, leave it to me, leave it to me. Is because we don't want to feel inadequate. We, we want to be enough in and of ourselves. And, and Jesus is just laying that bare for him. Like do this with me. And so my question for you is, what are you building? And are you doing that with Jesus? And does it terrify you to include him? Does it terrify you to include him because he might reveal that you're, you're struggling with some sin? <laughs> doing it with Jesus, there's some stuff that he's going to work on in your life. Doing it with Jesus, it will be done differently than if you just do it by yourself and then try to offer it to him at the very end of it. So the question is, <laughs> your life, your work, your relationships, your school, what are you building? And is worship the way you're doing that? Or are you just waiting for worship to happen when you're done or on a Sunday morning or whenever it is, right? Because the whole time Jesus is going, let me do it with you and he's going to be working on you while you're doing it. So while we take communion, I want to invite you just to think about what you're building. I want you to invite Jesus into that. Uh, these times that we share on Sunday morning are for that, to rest into that, to look back, maybe say, God, reveal those things in me that I am just holding on with white knuckles and I'm not letting you be a part of. And remember, the Lord gives to his beloved in those times of rest, in those times of sleep, it is vain to do it on your own. Because he's put eternity in your hearts and he wants to welcome you into that, right? So do not, do not do it without him. Pray with me. Father, we are people who wrestle with loneliness. I know. Um, I think sometimes we wrestle with that loneliness because we want you to be, or we've put you in our minds and hearts, maybe in certain places or at certain times. <coughs> Sunday morning, when I read my devotions, whatever it is, and you're not a God of just certain times and places. You are God at all times, sovereign over all things. <laughs> wanting to do all of life with us, wanting us to live by your spirit, keep in step with your spirit. And in that process, God, if, if you even in this moment would reveal to us stuff going on inside of us, God, we use this time of communion for time of repentance of that. You welcome that. You love forgiving us, cleansing us, making us righteous. 
God, I pray that there will just be a strong passion for us leaving here to walk with you. Praise in Jesus' name, amen.